The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world, built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. How is everyone today, ladies and gentlemen? I hope it's going to be a great week for you. Who knows? Maybe I'll have a baby come popping out of my wife this week. I don't know. It looks like it's uh, it's getting close, folks. It's getting close. So we will see what happens, and we will keep you informed of that. Thank you for all the well wishes people have sent us. We appreciate that very much right here at the Gold Household and over here at the Dustin Gold Standard. All right. I hope everyone checked out episode 69. We got into this narrative that is shaping up to basically set Elon Musk up as the president of the technocracy, folks. So I'm going to keep my eye out for that. I know I kind of went off. Uh, script a little bit there. Uh, I had a mission to finish up Dr. James Giordano, but I thought that was very important, and I really wanted to get into the personalized feedback loop echo chambers for you. And so you can make your children and grandchildren aware of that, folks. Don't let them be driven into insanity or narcissism because of the technocratic transhumanists. For everyone out there who has written me a comment, a question, I've been trying to get back to people. I hope I was able to uh, get back to everybody. Again, I thank everyone over at pain.tv slash gold for continuing to send over intelligence. There is so much stuff piled up on my desk, and some of the things I won't get to right away because I just feel like every day, even though we do two hours a day, I'm just always running out of time to put information into these shows. So we'll just continue to go at this pace for now folks got a big uh, marketing plan i am working on that i'm going to send over to commander Payne. see if we can get some new people over to the platform some new people over to this community we only want like-minded folks we don't want shills and grifters and all that involved with our network so hopefully we can grow some organic folks that come out of uh, other areas other shows they're listening to who would be interested in mike's content as well as mine and the stuff that Maria Albanese does on Fridays over at the Thomas Paine Podcast. So I'm working that up, hopefully be done this week and get that over to Mike. And then we'll start to see some changes over at Payne.tv with some additional content we are working on for the premium side of that platform folks so thank you to everyone who has joined pain.tv slash gold if you have not feel free to check it out for just a few dollars a month you get access to the ad-free video version of this podcast as well as the thomas Payne podcast and access to a facebook-like app and website where you can communicate with other great folks out there all right enough of that ladies and gentlemen and once again thank you to everyone who left us a five-star review and a comment over at apple podcast if you have not done that please do so it really does help the show grow 
I know you get stuck over there on the free side of the podcast listening to streaming ads, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles. If you don't like that, join us over at pain.tv slash gold. So please leave a comment, folks. It really does help. The show is growing. I'm very happy with that. We're reaching a lot of people. I see new people every day, whether through Twitter, um, Telegram, uh, pain.tv slash gold, reaching out and asking me questions or thanking me for what I'm doing. You don't have to thank me, folks. Seriously, this is what I love doing in part as you all know i am building this sort of master class as many of you have deemed it on the technocratic transhumanists as a home schooling study for my future child so they will understand the world they live in and uh, how we got here and where we are going and then they can make those choices for themselves on how to best navigate it or if they decide to live in it once they turn 18 years old i will not be able to stop them uh, but we will see what happens. We don't even know if it's a boy or a girl at this point, folks. We decided to keep it a secret. All right. I've been working up uh, something here for my colleague who is going to try to get us out onto some other shows and spread the message of technocratic transhumanism. And I just want to read that to you folks. And I think it's perfect because today we are going to talk a little more about technocracy, the history of technocracy and about the history of transhumanism. As I work back into the document that I started to review the other day for you. And uh, that document is on the bioethics and transhumanism. I want to get through some of this stuff, although I do have uh, a couple of episodes planned on the theory I'm developing on the merger of technocracy and transhumanism. But I need to get some of this in here before we turn to Dr. James Giordano. Uh, We need to finish that up, but there's some stuff he's going to get into, and I think it would best uh it would be best listened to and analyzed after we have a little deeper understanding of technocracy and transhumanism we've covered it on uh, multiple episodes i trickle in a little bit here a little bit there and i've decided to do it that way because if i hit you with too much on that all at once uh i am just afraid that people will become blackpilled and that is not the point of this show I believe we still have an opportunity to fight back. I believe we can find ways in our personal lives to live outside of the matrix. And I hope at some point people will wake up to what is going on. And once they realize what it is that is happening, they will completely reject it if it's not too late. But remember, folks, there's always way more of us than there are of them. It's just going to have to reach a point where humans decide to put our differences aside and come together to fight back against the anti-humans as i've said here this is a war on humanity they are focused on engineering humanity out of existence and so once humans figure that out maybe we will come together and actually fight back against these folks So let me read this for you because it's kind of an introduction of what we're going to get into, sort of a description I've been working on of what we're doing over here at the Dustin Gold Standard. It was a pretty good exercise my colleague threw me into because it made me think about what we're doing, what questions we're trying to answer, where we're trying to go with the Dustin Gold Standard. So it says right here, folks, at the Dustin Gold Standard, we research, curate, and analyze government documents 
white papers, lectures, and other publicly sourced intelligence to educate, inform, and warn others about the worldwide war against humanity, which has been systematically waged by an organized collection of atheistic, technocratic, transhumanist investors, businessmen, public figures, professors, power brokers, philosophers, scientists, and engineers that span across the public, private, and academic sectors and from all corners of the globe. These highly influential, powerful, and wealthy technocratic transhumanists, also known as post-humans or anti-humans, have publicly declared that natural humans have no spirit or soul and the days of free will are over. Many post-human technocratic transhumanists believe that natural humans are merely useless beings they call hackable animals. Therefore, they have been working feverishly around the clock to prove that they are in fact the gods of the new era by grasping a hold of a concept they refer to as the human evolution of humans. By merging with machines via the fusion of the physical, the biological, and the digital worlds, the technocratic transhumanists march forward at warp speed on their personal quest for eternal life. Technocratic transhumanists aim to hijack and control the natural world in hopes of driving humans into a cyber second life metaverse prison planet matrix, as well as engineer humanity out of existence through artificial intelligence, robotics, and genetic modification. Utilizing advanced widespread mind control techniques from social engineering to social media and big pharma to big tech, the technocratic transhumanists not only have natural humans fighting with each other over race, religion, gender, politics, and socioeconomic class, rather than fighting against those who have actually wage war against humanity itself, the technocratic transhumanists have convinced many natural humans to believe that they will also become gods if they too join with the technocratic transhumanists and merge with machine inside of the cyber world. One of the most powerful and influential transhumanists of our time has publicly stated that transhumanism and Christianity are very similar, as they both offer immortality. The latter offers eternal life with God in the heavens, while the former offers immortality through the uploading of one's consciousness to the technocratic transhumanists via the prison planet metaverse matrix they refer to as the cloud in the sky. Will natural humans awaken from their trance and return to God, the Creator, Mother Nature, and or the natural world, or will Satan continue to draw them into the darkness under the guise of anointing everyone with God's status and supernatural powers? Can technology and humanity truly coexist in harmony, or will the former eventually engineer the latter out of existence? Can we understand the technocratic transhumanist system enough to be able to live one foot outside of the matrix? while living with one foot inside. These are a few of the questions we seek answers to right here at the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, yay, woo! Clapping for myself, folks. Thank you very much. Now, that's sort of the beginning 
of trying to shape up what we've talked about here in 70 episodes in less than one page. So I'm going to continue to refine that. I'd love to get your feedback, folks. So email me at goldatpain.tv or hit me up at any of the social media accounts. Uh, Links are down in the description of this episode. If you're listening over at pain.tv slash gold, you know, shoot me a message, private message or tag me. Sometimes I don't see the stuff over there that you tag me in for some reason or i'll see it come to me an email and then i have an issue replying to you so once in a while i have to pop on the desktop and log in and i'm able to uh answer you guys so let me know what you think about that what i'm missing where you'd like to see this go so we're just trying to shape up where we've been in these first 70 episodes and hopefully by the time we hit 100 episodes which will be 30 days from now since we put out a show every day we will answer those questions and then we'll start to decide what direction we're going to take this show in now folks there are hundreds upon hundreds of episodes i have outlined books i need to get to white papers i need to cover uh in order to fully 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 understand for myself and to be able to educate you on where these people are taking us in the future so i hope you enjoyed that and feel free to give me your feedback as we shape that narrative and we'll start to figure out how to eventually break that down into a common sense a thomas Paine common sense type of pamphlet which would be fantastic obviously because we are under the banner of pain.tv slash gold and the thomas Paine podcast which is the mothership uh right here at pain.tv and so i want to take this and basically create a common sense style pamphlet on technocratic transhumanism something that is easy maybe with some illustrations and or some memes we have to obviously write this and design this in a way that the younger folks will fully understand maybe we're going to have to build a training world inside of the metaverse itself (laughs) i don't know folks we got to figure out how to reach these kids and we have to figure out how to show them at least in this sort of bridge stage the technology should be utilized as a tool and not become a way of life and so i'm going to be working on a lot of that stuff myself right here in my personal life with my wife figuring out how we are going to educate our child on a range all the way from full amish to uh, being a programmer and then let them make their decision at you know 16 17 18 years old on how they want to live where they want to go and It'll be hard to decide that, obviously, until then, because the world is constantly advancing. And even according to the technocrats, we are going to reach this point of exponential growth of technology. As we are nearing that, if we have not hit it yet, uh, we are getting close. And so by the time my child is that age, who knows what the world is going to look like. But we have to let them choose between full Amish or full Matrix. And if they choose somewhere in the middle, that's where most of us are living right now and so that'll have to be something that uh, i am happy with and i'll support them in but we're going to go through all this on the show as i take this journey over the next several years i'm going to be sharing this with all of you and hopefully it will help you with your kids and your grandkids and our ability to warn them 
about how they should reject a full-blown life inside of the matrix and make them aware of the beauties and the wonders of the natural world ladies and gentlemen i'm going to take a quick break don't worry i'm not stepping outside into the natural world i'm going to sit right here in this studio surrounded by the matrix technology as i take a sip of my tea i'll be right back this is dust and gold with the dust and gold standard right here on ping.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, so I hope you enjoyed that little piece. Didn't take me long to write, but it's sort of the basis for figuring out what this show is, where we're going, the book we're putting together, and this common sense style I wouldn't say a pamphlet. I don't know. It'll have to be presented in various uh, mediums, but we're working on it. All right, let's go into this, folks. We covered this uh, a bit, as I've said, but I really want to start to lay the foundation of what technocracy is, uh, where it came from, and the same with transhumanism. And so then we'll explain how the two really converge and that's what we're going to get to in a, in a week or so from now, this concept of technocratic transhumanism. And that will become the basis of how I look at things, the lens I will look at things from uh, that point going forward. Because I do believe this technocratic transhumanist movement is the war on humanity itself. And that is what I feel like I have to wake people up to and that we need to focus on. Not to say, not to say that other things you focus on are not important, okay? Uh, obviously, getting involved with local politics, um, that kind of stuff is important. And everyone can do that to varying degrees, in their life at the end of the day if you can overcome this technocracy then returning to small government local government is obviously you know the solution i just think that right now the technocracy is so widespread they're so far advanced that a lot of the stuff people worry about really isn't um, a pressing matter at this point. It's almost like you're running around trying to put out these little fires when the big fire is just burning everything down or trying to plug these little holes in your ship uh, one at a time when there's a tsunami coming about to knock the ship over. And so, uh, for example, I just was talking to someone on Twitter. They had tagged me in a um, thread. or Actually, it was, it was an article. Uh, really well done, really well detailed. Uh, I wouldn't know, you know, how much of it was true because I would have to spend a hundred hours actually researching all of the sources and uh, inside this article. But it was basically breaking down uh, what what the CDC did and COVID. Uh, and all these different lies and rigging of the numbers. And so I wrote back to this person respectfully uh, asking, 
you know, what, what does it really matter? Do we really need further confirmation uh, that we are correct? I mean, I believe that these people were intentionally trying to kill uh, a large amount of humans. And, and that still may be the case. These may be delayed reaction shots that spread cancer, give stroke, heart attack, or whatever. We've covered a lot of the technology that the government admits to having, you know, the ability to kill you with uh, injections and nanoparticles and stem cells and stuff that they can do in a delayed manner. So we haven't seen the full outcome of the jab yet, or even what COVID may have been. Maybe it was some uh, bioengineered disease inside of a lab like Fort Detrick that they released on everyone, and we're eventually going to see the ramifications of that. We don't know. We don't really know. And so this article goes into CDC rigging numbers, but what happens with me folks is i look at this and i go wow that is a lot of noise it's a lot of noise and then what it shows is that at best the cdc is incompetent and at worst they're rigging numbers and so to me if if i already believe based on the technologies i see the government admits to excuse me what we've witnessed is already happening if i believe that this is part of a mass depopulation scheme, you know, coupled with the possibility of connecting some people up to the Internet of Bodies, then I don't need further confirmation of this. And I definitely don't need to be led down a trail that tells me that the CDC is incompetent, you know, and or rigging numbers or it's about profits or whatever it may be. And so um, I said to the person, do we really need this information? Do we really need to further prove our own beliefs? And they said, yes, because there's still not a lot of people waking up and we have to give them this information. And then, uh, Dr. Vernon, the one that uh, Mike Moore plays a lot of his stuff, you know, says people are waking up. We need to wake people up. Well, if you believe it's a death shot, then I, I don't know why I would spend time waking up people who already took the, 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 uh, the death shot. The other thing is, I don't know how much people get out and um, talk with other people, you know, whether you still go to an office or you hang out in the grocery store, but I talk to a lot of people. I have a wide net of people in the real world. You know, some people obviously I communicate with through Facebook, but there are people that I know from the real world, friends of mine from the real world. And so I talk to a lot of those people. I know a lot of people in the grocery stores. I am very interested in the human condition. So I talk to a lot of people. I extract a lot of intelligence from people. And what I generally find, and this is in my life, maybe you see it differently, uh, but the vast majority, not all, but the vast majority of people that have taken the jab are basically vested in this. They bought into it. And so they are never going to necessarily turn away from the so-called science. Um, I can tell already with them that the moment the government snaps the fingers and tells them to mask back up because a new variant is here, yes, they're always saying there's new variants, but they haven't done the big push. Once they do the big push and they slap the targets down on the ground in the grocery stores and put the, the glass back up and tell people to put on the mask, there's 
you know, 60% of people are ready to jump right back into COVID land, the high school theater production. That's just my belief. So I don't focus on those people in my life on uh, trying to convince them of anything. I'm trying to further educate the people who are already woke to this stuff, who have already gripped the cable attached to the back of their head and are trying to disconnect themselves from the matrix or have already, and then try to further warn them about what the real plans are behind what they witnessed over the last two and a half years. So if people understand the goal of technocratic transhumanism, then they will understand everything that happened the last two and a half years will fall into place for them. But for those people who willingly swallow the blue pill, I I just don't spend a lot of time on them, nor do I believe it's my responsibility to try to wake up so-called wake up people who don't want to be woke. Some people want to live inside of the matrix. And so let them let them that's what i say don't waste a lot of your energy uh banging your head against the wall and trying to wake up people who would rather be asleep continue to educate those who are already woke and try to show them what this is all about where it's going where it came from so we can build an actual coalition of people to fight back against it or eventually a group of people that are going to have to flee to one area and build our own new breakaway civilization separate from the transhumans or the zombies or whatever the hell is going to grow out of this fourth industrial revolution that's just my thoughts folks so i don't mean to argue with people i'm not talking down to you i'm just saying that uh that sometimes i think put this stuff into perspective and use your energy to try to further educate people who want to be educated maybe they don't have time to sit around and listen to this show or go online and research stuff so figure out how to boil it down like i just did with what i read to you in your own words and try to wake up your friends to this stuff the ones who aren't jabbed the ones who are trying to live outside the system but maybe they just don't have time and that's how you can spread this knowledge and save other people but to try to to beat people in the head who already took the jab already got the booster people that'll put on the mask people that get in line people that are up on the cattle car i mean just just let them go just let them go and focus on further educating the people who want to be all right let me get into technocracy a bit first folks and so i'm just over at wikipedia i uh, scan this thing it is generally uh, accurate based on all the research i've done it will go deeper with this stuff but right now we're kind of skimming the surface this is the forty thousand foot view again we've touched on some of this stuff but we're going to go a little bit further tonight so let's just talk about technocracy first then we're going to talk about transhumanism and then this way you'll start to see uh, the differences between the two, the similarities between the two, and you'll understand why people like Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, Dennis Bushnell, these guys are both technocrats and transhumanists. Okay, and then what we're going to end up with is this merger uh, called technocratic transhumanism. All right, so technocracy is a form of government in which the decision maker or makers are selected based on their expertise in a given area of responsibility, particularly with regard to scientific or technical knowledge. 
All right? And, and this isn't just some stuff that Wikipedia is making up. There is actual history to technocracy. We're going to get into that a little bit. So technocracy is a form of government in which the decision maker or makers are selected based on their expertise in a given area of responsibility, particularly with regard to scientific or technical knowledge. Okay, so it's a form of government where the decision makers are selected based on their expertise, okay, in, a, in an area generally of science and, and technical knowledge and engineering. This system explicitly contrasts with representative democracy, the notion that elected representatives should be the primary decision makers in government. And so what we supposedly have here is a representative democracy, a constitutional republic, a liberal democracy, however you want to call it. We vote for our congressmen. We vote for the senators, although that has completely changed since the founding of the country. So that system isn't even intact to how we vote for um, our senators. And then within our state, we vote for representatives. You know, within your town or your city, you generally vote for council members. Uh, you vote for a mayor. So it's a representative style government. So what the technocrats believe is that we should not have these elected officials, these elected so-called representatives that meet in a legislature and vote on law, that the system should be run by selected scientists and engineers and technologists. So let's continue here. The system explicitly contrasts, I'm just repeating this, with representative democracy, the notion that elected representatives should be the primary decision makers in government, though it does not necessarily imply eliminating elected representatives. Decision makers are selected based on specialized knowledge and performance rather than political affiliations, parliamentary skills, or popularity. So basically it's a rating system in which you would pick people with the highest level degrees. And so as you know, within our own government, we have these representatives that vote on the laws, they vote on uh, allocating money. You know, we're talking about within Congress. And that would be the legislative branch. And then you have the executive branch, which is the president. And then all these departments in the government under the president that are uh, staffed with directors and employees that are chosen by the president, you know, the directors and certain levels within those agencies. And then those department uh, directors then have managers and then they hire people. And so all that is bureaucracy that is all run by by these people with these degrees okay the term technocracy was initially used to signify the application of the scientific method to solving social problems in its most extreme form technocracy is an entire government running as a technical or engineering problem and is mostly hypothetical all right so think about that in its most extreme form technocracy is an entire government running as a technical or engineering problem folks an engineering problem so basically the entire system operates like a 
tech company or they look at the problems within the system and always try to refine and correct those problems when we get back more on technocracy ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard On pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard as we are here starting to unravel what is technocracy ladies and gentlemen all right let me just repeat where we left off it says in its most extreme form technocracy is an entire government running as a technical or engineering problem and is mostly hypothetical all right let's continue in more practical use technocracy is any portion of of a bureaucracy run by technologists okay so as i just said all of these government agencies are under the executive branch the president the president of the united states then hires directors to run the various agencies so let's just say you have the fbi you have the dod you have the cia you have all of these departments hhs cdc and then what happens is the president nominates these directors the directors are then put in front of congress the legislative branch and they go through a dog and pony show and then they get installed as the directors and then those directors each oversee a portion of bureaucracy so everyone who works at the cdc is part of a bureaucracy and then they hire all of these people within the bureaucracy to run the bureaucracy so in a sense folks we are already in this technocracy because look at first first off let me just point this out because it's very important before i forget and this is why i covered elon musk yesterday in part okay so elon musk as you see by that article the government now is saying uh let me see how i can put this the government is now saying okay oops oops we handed over all this power to elon musk and so elon musk this business magnate this technologist is now overseeing major parts of our government major parts of each of these departments right or peter thiel for instance his company palantir started with cia inqtel money is now embedded inside of almost every government agency running their databases and such so they've outsourced the running of these bureaucracies to these technologists who are now, the government says, basically more powerful than the government, as they'll say about Elon Musk. But you have to ask yourself, is that intentional? See, I told you they're setting Elon Musk up 
to be the president of the technocracy. He's been anointed on Joe Rogan's show. He's the guy playing the part of Tony Stark. So the government has outsourced the management of these systems that are sometimes used to manage society to the technologists. See, that's why I told you we're already converting to a technocracy. So you have these figureheads, these puppets, these clowns in Congress and sitting inside the White House that put these directors into place that then hand these contracts out to the technologists, and then the technologists are managing the government from the private sector. Look at Jeff Bezos, right? Jeff Bezos owns Amazon. Amazon Web Services runs the majority of the databases. Uh, They host them on their cloud for the CIA. So therefore, now you're putting technologists in charge of major parts of these bureaucracy so we basically have these technocratic oligarchs like bezos elon musk mark zuckerberg um, peter thiel running these parts of the government so in effect we are now this sort of quasi representative democracy slash technocracy It goes on to say, a government in which elected officials appoint experts and professionals to administer individual government functions and recommend legislation can be considered technocratic. All right? So you hear that? A government in which elected officials appoint experts and professionals to administer individual government functions. That's what I just talked about. That's what Peter Thiel is. That's what Elon Musk is. Uh, When they set up these artificial intelligence cyber councils with people like Eric Schmidt, the former head of Google, uh, and they put these guys in charge of these committees that then recommend legislation uh, to these Uh, elected officials or to the president, uh, then what happens is they come up with the plans for how the technology is going to be used to manage the country, manage the world, manage the supply chains and such. So you have the technocrats, the technologists, actually creating the policy which streamlines the government. Now, you have this illusion of the representative democracy hiring the technologists to build the technocracy but at the end of the day when people like eric schmidt jeff bezos elon musk and peter thiel are making the decisions on how the country will be managed then you end up moving into the most extreme form of technocracy extreme form of technocracy which is the government running as a technical or engineering problem right so you're actually moving into that direction you can see it i mean the last two and a half years under covid land the high school theater production you know the country was basically run by dr fauci or so you're to believe the country was basically run by dr fauci dr burks dr redfield these scientists and these engineers All right, let's continue. It says, uh, I'll repeat this, a government in which elected officials appoint experts and professionals to administer individual government functions and recommend legislation can be considered technocratic. Some uses of the word refer to a form of meritocracy where the ableists are in charge, ostensibly without the influence of special interest groups. 
Critics have suggested that a technocratic divide challenges more participatory models of democracy, describing these divides as, quote, efficacy gaps that persist between governing bodies employing technocratic principles and members of the general public aiming to contribute to government decision making. So I think you understand, folks, that we are basically here already. And as I've said to you uh, in past episodes, major parts of the supply chain, the distribution of goods, all of this is being now consolidated under the technocrats via the so-called private sector through the new gig industry. And so what has happened is that they've been moving a lot of the blue-collar folks, the service industry folks, over to the gig industry in forms of Instacart, the grocery uh, service app, uh, DoorDash, Uber Eats, uh, you know, all these food um, delivery services under Uber, Lyft, the taxi services, and you can go through hundreds of gig apps, hundreds of gig apps now. Uh, in all types of services, things you wouldn't even imagine. On top of it, you take people in the creative arts, graphic designers, video editors. All this stuff is being consolidated under companies like Fiverr. And so what happens is all of the workers uh, in the world now are being driven into these digital ghettos of service providers. And now what you're seeing happen Uh, The more people they shift into gig work, the people that are now not pursuing uh, further education, people that are not uh, launching their own small businesses, uh, people that are now slaves to this digital plantation called gig work, the more they move over into that and then they start lowering those people's income because the technocrats, the gig companies control how much you can make on those platforms. Uh, Remember yesterday we were talking about personalized Um, echo chamber feedback loops and we talked about when two people would stand next to each other and google the same thing you'd end up with different results that happens with the gig apps you could be in a parking lot on instacart you and i could both have a five-star rating meaning we're supposed to both get access to the big batches or all of the batches in the system and you might have six orders on your screen and i might have three orders on my screen and they are totally different And so that means that they can personalize uh, your options. And so they can rig how much money you can make. And so you're allowing now the technocrats to control the workers uh, as well as control how much money people can make. You know, it's all very technocratic folks and now we know that this stuff is actually going on and so i say they're driving people into these digital ghettos and the ultimate goal of the technocracy is to control the means of production and the means of distribution and so now what you're going to see is the um 
Okay, so let me just explain this. There is a supposed war, a battle going on, again, I believe totally orchestrated, where the government is now saying that the gig workers, because they are independent contractors, meaning they are not employees of the individual gig companies. So there's a lot of people in order to make a certain amount per day or to have options, they will run Instacart, DoorDash, Uber, all at the same time on their phone, and they'll jump from doing a grocery delivery to driving somebody in their car they're making use on all the platforms so now the government is coming in under the guise of the independent contractors being treated unfairly which they are uh, but the government does not love you they're not there to protect you and so what now they're saying is that we have to protect you and now these companies are going to have to hire you as employees and if that happens what i believe is actually going on is that the government will now drive you into the arms of one of these companies so now you might be an employee but you're going to be limited now to only being able to be signed in and work for one of them at a time. And then effectively what they've done is they pulled everyone out of uh, small business, mom and pop shops, moved them into the human cloud gig work. Klaus Schwab calls it the human cloud in his 2016 book, The Force Industrial Revolution. And so now they're going to drive everyone under the employment of the technocracy. So you see they consolidated the workforce, monopolized the workforce and moved everyone. They will move everyone right under the full control, basically getting rid of human autonomy. So even though gig work is a sham and it feels like you have autonomy, it was all a setup to push you into the digital workforce get out and now they will control you and human autonomy will be gone because you will be under control of the technocracy when we get back more on this i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard i'll be right back right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back from the break. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Ping.TV slash gold. Come and join us over there, folks, for just a few dollars a month. It is worth your investment, ladies and gentlemen. And I just heard, I just heard through a birdie, and I'm not sure, don't, 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 don't hold me to this, but I think, I think Commander Payne might be working on getting a few more uh, folks over to the Payne.tv platform to create uh, some additional content in their areas of expertise. So, this could get quite interesting over the next year. I'm glad I joined up with this outfit, folks. I really am. All right, let's get into the history of the term. Again, we're just doing uh, broad strokes here, folks. I just want to introduce you to this and show you, you know, my train of thought, introduce you to um, where I'm coming from on this, my worldview at this point. So, the history of the term technocracy. The term technocracy is derived from the Greek words um techne meaning skill and kratos meaning power uh 
as in governance or rule. So technocratic or tech, technological uh, skill-based power, skill-based governance. William Henry Smith, that's Smith with a Y, a California engineer, is usually credited with inventing the word technocracy in 1919 to describe, quote, the rule of the people made effective through the agency of their servants, the scientists and engineers, end quote. Although the word had been used before on several occasions. So this is just giving you a little taste of the history of this stuff. All right. So this guy, William Henry Smith, California engineer, is usually credited with inventing this word in 1999. And so let's just read this one more time. The rule of the people made effective through the agency of their servants, the scientists and engineers, right? So we are supposed to believe that the scientists and the engineers are going to govern us uh, via the rule of the people. Like what we want, the scientists and engineers will make happen. Right. Smith used the term technocracy in his 1919 article, Technocracy, Ways and Means to Gain Industrial Democracy, in the journal Industrial Management. Smith's usage referred to industrial democracy, a movement to integrate workers into decision-making through existing firms or revolution. All right, so if you are to believe the scientists and engineers are going to make the world a better place and basically we are going to just vote on it and the scientists and engineers are going to make it happen, I don't know, folks. Have you ever had a conversation with a scientist or an engineer at Christmas, at Thanksgiving, (laughs) anywhere? Are you a scientist or engineer? You're going to listen to me. If I tell you I want this to happen, you're going to just make it happen. You're going to tell me I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. Dustin, uh, humans are inefficient. We need to engineer them to be smarter. The engineers and the scientists believe they're the smartest guys in the room. And they always want to find problems and fix problems, whether problems actually exist. And then they force us into the problem, reaction, solution loop. All right. Let's continue. In the 1930s, through the influence of Howard Scott and the technocracy movement he founded, the term technocracy came to mean government by technical decision making. Government by technical decision making. Using an energy metric of value, Scott proposed that money be replaced by energy certificates denominated in units such as ergs or joules equivalent in total amount to an appropriate national net energy budget and then distributed equally among the North American population according to resource availability. All right, do you hear that? So let's just look at this. (laughs) You know, carbon credits, now uh, ESGs and all this stuff, folks, this is not new. This is not new. So you see here Howard Scott who founded the technocracy movement, which we will get into shortly, back in the 1930s, said that money should be replaced by energy certificates. All right, equivalent in total amount to an appropriate national net energy budget, and then distributed equally among the North American population. So this concept of 
energy certificates is not new, ladies and gentlemen. The climate change debate you see going on today, it's not really a debate anymore. Uh, Now the worldwide technocracy has said climate change is real, and so we are changing everything around to live up to these new climate standards, whether you like it or not. So apparently the will of the people is not being enacted by these scientists and engineers, or at least the will of the majority of people, the will of the 1% is being enacted by the scientists and the engineers, the technologists, the technocrats. All right, it goes on to say, there is in common usage found the derivative term technocrat. The word technocrat can refer to someone exercising governmental authority because of their knowledge. A member of a powerful technical elite or someone who advocates the supremacy of technical experts. McDonnell and Valbruzzi define a prime minister or minister as a technocrat if, quote, at the time of their appointment to government, they have never held public office under the banner of a political party, are not a formal member of any party, and are said to possess recognized non-party political expertise, which is directly relevant, uh, relevant to the role occupied in government, end quote. In Russia, the president of Russia is often nominated ministers based on technical expertise from outside political circles, and these have been referred to as, quote, technocrats, end quote. So if you look at the system that we have here, all right, you will have, okay, you will say there are two major parties, Republican and Democrat. But if you are to believe like I do, that that is just a scam. It's to keep people driven into the uh, right-left paradigm, not recognizing the war on humanity itself, then whether these people chosen from the Republican or Democrat Party actually mean nothing. And so we're seeing more of, we saw the rise coming out of Obama. It was happening before that, but this idea of these czars, these people in charge of departments that were not run through congressional committees and uh, went through, you know, the the traditional uh, dog and pony show committee hearings and answer questions and the whole vetting process. So you had these czars that were just chosen by the president to be in charge of various departments, and they were almost doubled up with the directors that had to go through the vetting process. But even the directors float back and forth between Republican and Democrat, and most of them are actually not political as far as parties are concerned they're just career bureaucrats and so then they get in charge they have control of the budgets and then they're outsourcing the dirty work to the tech technologists like elon musk peter thiel and others all right so as you can see we are already in a technocracy And you could sit there and say, well, the representative republic part of this, the representative democracy part of this is that in my congressional district, you know, Joe runs against Mary and we can vote for one or the other. Yes, you can do that. But at the end of the day, have you seen government really change? It barely changes uh, it doesn't matter who who's in power. I mean, if, if you say to yourself, well, Trump won and the stock market was up or my 401k was up and now Biden's in and my 401k drops by 
At the end of the day, Trump didn't really do anything to change the course of the country. Look at the final year of his presidency with COVID Land, the high school theater production. But there was a lot of buildup to get to the point of COVID Land, the high school theater production. We just weren't paying attention to it because it wasn't affecting us. But all of the systems were being put into place to be able to pull off a COVID Land, the high school theater production, which was really, in my opinion, uh, the great reset, but more importantly, the, the illusion uh the shell game where we switched from at least this corrupt constitutional republic basically we were under corporatism at that point over to the technocracy it was a shift it was a sleight of hand move all right let's just talk briefly about the precursors and then we're going to talk about the technocracy movement so it says here, before the term technocracy was coined, technocratic or quasi-technocratic ideas involving governance by technical experts were promoted by various individuals, most notably early socialist theorists such as Henry de St. Simon. This was expressed by the belief in state ownership of the economy, with the state's function being transformed from pure philosophical rule over men into a scientific administration of things and a direction of production processes under scientific management. According to Daniel Bell, quote, St. Simon's vision of industrial society, a vision of pure technocracy, was a system of planning and rational order in which society would specifically or in which society would specify its needs and organize the factors of production to achieve them. So you see there, it, it's, it's operating under this concept that the state owns the economy. So the state controls the economy, and therefore the state's function is transformed from pure philosophical rule over men into a scientific administration of things and a direction of production processes under scientific management. So the state controls the economy, and now it will be managed by science. Citing the ideas of St. Simon, Bell concludes that the, quote, administration of things, end quote, by rational judgment is the hallmark of technocracy. All right? administration of things by rational judgment is the hallmark of technocracy so fully controlled by these technologists by these scientists and these engineers and it's the administration of things of things alexander Boganov, a russian scientist and social theorist also anticipated a conception of technocratic process. Both Bogdanov's fiction and his political writings, which were highly influential, suggest that he expected a coming revolution against capitalism to lead to a technocratic society. So for those people who love capitalism, and we're not going to get into uh, capitalism here, some of these original thought leaders in this technocratic space were pitting capitalism up against technocracy so create a revolution against capitalism to push in technocracy now if we had true free market capitalism uh, where you can buy sell trade whatever without the interference of government that is one thing but see our capitalist society has been so completely corrupted 
that it then leaves open for something like technocracy to come creeping in. The same way I explained to you yesterday that I believe that the power brokers, the elites, the prison planet wardens intentionally intentionally allowed us to see how dirty and corrupt government is so that we will cheer on the idea of a new government so our representative democracy which has basically been replaced by you know fascist communism and capitalism which has been replaced by the same thing are now ripe for the taking for a new form of government technocracy that will sound great you know you're going to be rewarded with energy tokens or you know, CBDC or something. It's going to sound fantastic. They're going to make it sound equitable. And they're going to put someone like Elon Musk out there to say that the private sector, these true humanists have come up with a solution to manage society. And it will be fair and equitable because technology driven by, managed by artificial intelligence will make sure that it is fair that everyone has access to work and everyone has access to goods. So you have to collapse the current system, make it appear to be corrupt and dirty and disgusting, and you have to collapse that, turn people against it, in order to usher in a new form of government. That is how you create sort of this soft revolution. So to the point where people will actually be begging for it. Ladies and gentlemen, I am begging for a break. Absorb that. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. Listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. Alright, a little bit more on this, folks. I know it's a lot to take in. It's an information-packed show. But if you want to fight the technocracy, you have to understand what it is and where it came from. And then you can start to figure out where they're going with this. And I look at everything through the lens of an investigator, folks. My father is a private investigator. He has been one since I was a kid. He was a cop before that. So I grew up with him going out on investigations with him. Back then in the 80s, divorce was a big one. So... I got to spy through people's windows and stuff when I was a little kid. So I look at things through the lens of an investigator. And uh, even my father used to investigate me. So I had to, uh, I had to evade him, folks. So I am uh, working on understanding what is going on here so I can evade these folks. Because the technocracy is uh, the most ever-prying investigator out there. Everything is tracked. Everything is monitored. Let's just finish this up here on the precursors to technocracy. It says, from 1913 until 1922, Bogdanov immersed himself in writing a lengthy philosophical uh, treatise of original ideas. It was technology, universal organization, science. 
technology anticipated many basic ideas of systems analysis later explored by cybernetics and we're going to get into cybernetics soon because that plays a major part in this as well maria albanese co-host of the thomas Paine podcast on fridays has been sending me a lot of information on cybernetics asking me when are you going to get to cybernetics or maybe she was telling me you better get to cybernetics it says in technology Bogdanov proposed unifying all social, biological, and physical sciences by considering them as systems of relationships and seeking organizational principles that underlie all systems. So social, biological, and physical. And so as you see now, as we enter the fourth industrial revolution, which is the merger of the physical, biological, and digital Well, back there in 1913, they didn't really have the digital here, folks. Of course, in 1913, we did create the IRS, the Federal Reserve, and the income tax. But that's a story for another day. But the very beginning of being able to harass people. Arguably, the platonic idea of philosopher kings represents a sort of technocracy in which the state is run by those with specialist knowledge, in this case, knowledge of the good rather than the scientific knowledge. And so we know that we have philosopher kings. We have people like Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher to the World Economic Forum and the Fourth Industrial Revolution. We have people like Ray Kurzweil, people like Henry Kissinger, if we go back in time, people like uh, uh, Brzezinski, right? People like that. We'll get into some of these characters in more detail in future shows. It goes on to say the platonic claim is that one who best understood goodness should be empowered to lead the state as they would lead it towards the path of happiness. Whilst knowledge of the good uh, differs from knowledge of science, rulers are here appointed based on a certain grasp of technical skill rather than democratic mandate. So you will put the scientists and engineers that uh, believe in good in charge of the technocracy, right? So what is the idea of good and who are they being good to? All right, let me move over here now in Wikipedia. I'm not going to go through the rest of that article. There's a lot of stuff in here. If you want to read about it, just do Wikipedia technocracy and you will understand um, a little bit more. We'll go into depth eventually because I have read some books on this topic. I've watched a lot of videos, uh, listened to a lot of podcasts. But as I said, I'm just trying to give you uh, an understanding of this because we're moving here quickly from technocracy into transhumanism. And then we'll talk about how Uh, The two relate and how it actually all connects. The technocracy movement was a social movement active in the United States and Canada in the 1930s, which favored technocracy as a system of government over representative democracy and concomitant partisan politics. All right. Historians associate the movement with engineer Howard Scott's technical alliance and technocracy incorporated prior to the internal factionalism that dissolved the latter organization during the Second World War. Okay, so you have here Howard Scott's Technical Alliance and Technocracy Incorporated. All right. 
And then what happened was there was a divide, and so the latter technocracy incorporated uh, dissolved uh, during uh, the Second World War. Technocracy was ultimately overshadowed by other proposals for dealing with the crisis of the Great Depression. The technocracy movement proposed replacing partisan politicians and business people with scientists and engineers who had the technical uh, expertise to manage the economy. But the movement did not fully aspire to scientocracy. Uh, And we can get into scientocracy as well, but uh, we don't need to do that right now. It goes on to say the movement was committed to abstaining from all partisan politics and the communist revolution. It gained strength in the 1930s, but in 1940, due to opposition to the Second World War, was banned in Canada. Now, interesting little fact, folks. I didn't pull it up for the show because I didn't want to get sidetracked because it deserves about an hour uh, worth my time on the show. But for those of you that don't know, Elon Musk's grandfather, his mother's father, was involved with the technocracy movement in Canada. Yes, he was. He was uh, a chiropractor and... He was some sort of an adventurer and ends up with a little plane and then they end up in South Africa and he takes Elon Musk's mother May on all sorts of adventures, uh, basically like Indiana Jones. Some people would guess that he was some sort of intelligence agent. Uh, No one really knows. No one knows for sure. But Elon Musk's grandfather was part of the technocracy movement in canada so now you say well where did elon musk come from that is where he came from goes on to say it was lifted in 1943 when it was apparent that technocracy inc was committed to the war effort proposing a program of total conscription so at first the technocracy movement was opposed to the second world war I've read a little bit about this, right? So they were banned from Canada, and then the ban was lifted. Once Technocracy Inc., which is defunct now, uh, got on board with the war effort. The movement continued to expand during the remainder of the war, and new sections were formed in Ontario and Maritime Provinces. The Technocracy Movement survives into the present day and as of 2013 was continuing to publish a newsletter maintain a website and hold member meetings smaller groups included the technical alliance the new machine and the utopian society of america okay so let me just tell you without going into this on uh, this show on this episode i've went and i've looked into all of these organized technocracy uh, movements, technocracy political parties, the majority of them are a joke. But it's similar to going and looking into, let's say, the Libertarian Party stuff and seeing how small it is, and then looking at the power of the people that call themselves the Libertarians, the people like Peter Thiel, and then seeing how powerful they actually are. 
Although Peter Thiel really has nothing to do with libertarianism. He is not for liberty. He is not for freedom. He is a fascist who is using his technology and his companies to help the government step on the necks of everyone. I've done multiple episodes on Peter Thiel. I have showed you that clearly. He is involved with the military. He is involved with the IRS. He's involved with the CDC. He's involved with HHS. He was involved with COVID restrictions. He was on board to roll out the COVID passports. Peter Thiel is not a libertarian, but you can see how the libertarian movement, uh, which had a lot of powerful people. So if you take the Koch brothers, for those of you who have paid attention to politics over the last decade, who were very instrumental in hijacking the Republican Party, uh, they put a lot of money into it. And although you didn't see libertarians winning races all over the country, these guys who called themselves libertarians had a major stranglehold over, let's say, Republican politics. So with technocracy, you may see that the parties, the groups, the organizations are sort of goofy for the most part, not all of them. But then you have to look to the real technocrats, the guys inside government, the bureaucrats, the military doctors, the uh, Silicon Valley CEOs, you know, those are the real technocrats. They don't need to meet under a banner of the technocratic party folks the technocrats are in power but they don't have to go meet and drink coffee together at the technocratic party committee meeting all right ladies and gentlemen when we get back short overview and then we're going to move over to transhumanism again and we're working our way towards showing you what technocratic transhumanism is ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's continue with this overview here of technocracy. We need to have this as we move forward, folks. And if this is your first time listening to this show, thank you for joining us. And definitely go back and listen to the previous 69 episodes, folks. Please do that. Uh, I intentionally do not do breaking news so that you can listen to these shows at any time. They are evergreen. They are all very important. They will help you understand the world we're living in, where we came from, and hopefully we'll start to figure out where we are going. Although I give you my opinions all the time on where we were going. I think a lot of you are starting to understand and think this way. That is the whole point here. We need to become our own futurist, folks. We need to understand the technology and the systems that are being developed by the technocratic transhumanism, uh, transhumanists, so that we can avoid this stuff as much as possible in our lives. Unless, of course, you're listening because you want to live in this and you're excited about where this is going. And so you just listen to me talk about this. So you go, wow, I like this and that's where I want to go. Well, I guess more power to you then. All right, it says right here, technocracy advocates content, uh, 
uh, advocates contended that price system based forms of government and economy are structurally incapable of effective action and promoted a society headed by technical experts, which they argued would be more rational and productive. The coming of the Great Depression ushered in radically different ideas of social engineering, culminating in reforms introduced by the New Deal. By late 1932, various groups across the United States were calling themselves technocrats and proposing reforms. By the mid-1930s, interest in the technocracy movement was declining. Some historians have attributed the decline of the technocracy movement to the rise of Roosevelt's New Deal. Historian William E. Aiken rejects the conclusion that technocracy ideas declined because of the attractiveness of Roosevelt and the New Deal. Instead, Aiken argues that the movement declined in the mid-1930s as a result of the technocrats' failure to devise a, quote, viable political theory for achieving change, end quote. Aiken postulates that many technocrats remained vocal and dissatisfied and often sympathetic to anti-New Deal third-party efforts. One of the most widely circulated images in Technocracy Inc.'s promotional materials, for instance, used the example of a streetcar to argue that design solutions will always succeed where legislation or fines fail. If passengers insist on riding the car's dangerous outer platform, leaders need only design cars without platforms problem solved. So you see what they're saying here, right? So... If passengers insist on riding the car's dangerous outer platform, leaders need only design cars without platforms. So the scientists and engineers will identify the problem and try to fix the problem. The issue, as I said, the problems will never end when these people are in control because they are trying to engineer towards perfection. The other thing is that many of them, and I find this, uh, I would love to have a discussion with someone uh, about this. I'm not here pushing Christianity, as I've said, but if you remove the idea of God or creator or mother nature or natural world uh, from the equation, then it allows humans to play God. And that's what I find that many of these folks are doing. And so I I just wanted to give you a background there on where technocracy grew out of. So when we talk about it, you understand that this stuff comes out of the 1920s, out of the 1930s. It's not new. It's not like the World Economic Forum or Klaus Schwab came up with these ideas. They just happened to be sort of put in a position to advocate for technocracy and to move it forward into practice through their new public-private partnerships that have been developed and so now you see all of these world governments on board with the uh, supposed private or publicly traded uh, corporations and now uh, i just wrote to a friend of mine on facebook who was complaining about uh, china and their zero covid policy and i told him you know this is worldwide in each country there's varying degrees and different strategies but at the end this is about moving technocracy into control and so you have to look at what the World Economicus Forum is doing, but really look back 
to where the history of technocracy comes from, understand what its intentions were, and you will see that that's actually what is being put into practice today, folks. So once you understand the history, you can actually understand where we are today, and then you can obviously draw conclusions based on that to see where we're going in the future. I think right now they are so powerful because the the system of government you're going to have is based on who is in control. And so right now I think these people are in control. They're in positions of power and so they can move it forward. It doesn't really matter what we want. I do believe that they would prefer... Uh, that we accept the adoption campaigns and that they could propagandize us, brainwash us, and mind control us into the technocratic prison planet rather than have to try to corral us by force. So that's part of the reason why some of these scientists and engineers, particularly inside of the military, talk about the need to convince the general public to get on board with to accept this idea of technocracy and transhumanism because it makes it much easier for them to walk us onto the cattle car if we do it willingly if they have to push us there uh, or threaten us to go there by gunpoint even though there is that veiled threat all the time because if you go up against the government or you reject their ideas they will come and get you with guns but they don't want to have to send military into the streets to corral everyone into the metaverse and force them to put on VR goggles. I don't think they have to. I think they have effectively brainwashed a large uh, portion, a large majority of not just people here in the United States, but all across the uh, West. Everyone else that they deem to be, you know, second world, even third world, I mean, They're just going to probably bomb them out of existence. All right, it goes on to say origins. Uh, And I just want to finish up a couple more things on here before we get back to transhumanism. The technocracy movement has its origins with the progressive engineers of the early 20th century and the writings of Edward Bellamy along with some of the later works of Thorsten Veblen, such as Engineers and the Price System, written in 1921. William H. Smith, a California engineer, we discussed him earlier, invented the word technocracy in 1919 to describe the quote, the uh, quote, the rule of the people made effective through the agency of the servants, the scientists, and engineers, end quote. And in the 1920s, it was used to describe the works of Thorsten Veblen. Early technocratic organizations formed after the First World War. These included Henry uh, Gantz, quote, the new machine, end quote, and Veblen's, quote, Soviet of Technicians, end quote. These organizations folded after a short time. Writers such as Henry Gantz, Thorsten Veblen, and Howard Scott suggested that business people were incapable of reforming their industries in the public interest and that control of industry should thus be given to the engineers. And so what you're seeing now, folks, is the business people uh, are, in fact, the engineers or at least you're supposed to think of them as engineers as technologists people like elon musk eric schmidt uh you know late steve jobs bill gates jeff bezos so now you have these sort of uh they call them these tech geeks that are also the business people 
So instead of actually reforming their industries, they basically consolidated and monopolized those industries under the rule of the engineers. So if these guys, and we'll eventually get to them, uh, Henry Gant, uh, Thorstein Veblen and Howard Scott actually believed that when the engineers were in power, uh, in control of industry and government, that they were somehow going to look out for the public interest, they were mistaken, <laughs> right? Because if you put an engineer in charge of an entire industry or government, they themselves then become the business person or the politician. And once you have a taste of power, folks, uh, what is it? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so there you go. Uh, these guys, I wonder if they are rolling in their graves right now saying, wait a second, this wasn't supposed to happen. All right, let's just go into the technocrats plan. I'm actually going to skip over. There's a section here you might want to read, which is United States and Canada. And this gets a little bit into more of the history of the uh, technocracy movement. But that's not really important. I think after this show, you will have a pretty solid understanding of technocracy and where it came from. And I think when you look at World Economic Forum and these other think tanks, you understand where it is at today. But let's just look at this. This is the technocrats' plan. In a publication from 1938, Technocracy, Inc., the main organization made the following statement defining their proposal. Technocracy is the science of social engineering, the scientific operation of the entire social mechanism to produce and distribute goods and services to the entire population of this continent. And that's what you've heard me talk about before, right? And, and this was one of the first defined, one of the first defined uh, technocracy statements of what it is they were trying to do. Just like earlier in the show, I read sort of my statement and what I'm trying to do here at the Dust and Gold Standard. So let's listen to that one more time. Technocracy is the science of social engineering, the scientific operation of the entire social mechanism to produce and distribute goods and services to the entire population of this continent. So they wanted to be in control of production and distribution of goods and services to the entire population. And that's what I've said to you before. It is complete and total control by the scientists and engineers over the production of goods and the distribution of those goods, including what would be the rationing of those goods. Let's continue. For the first time in human history, it will be done as a scientific technical engineering problem. There will be no place for politics or politicians, finance or financiers, rackets or racketeers. Technocracy states that this method of operating the social mechanism of the North American continent is now mandatory because we have passed from a state of actual scarcity into the present status of potential abundance in which we are now held to an artificial scarcity forced upon us in order to continue a price system which can distribute goods only by means of a medium of exchange." And I, and I will analyze this shortly. Technocracy states that price and abundance are incompatible. The greater the abundance, the smaller the price. In a real abundance, there can be no price at all. 
only by abandoning the interfering price control and substituting a scientific method of production and distribution can an abundance be achieved. Technocracy will distribute by means of a certificate of distribution available to every citizen from birth to death. The technate will encompass the entire American continent from Panama to the North Pole because the natural resources and natural boundary of this area make it an independent, self-sustaining geographical unit. Ladies and gentlemen, think about that for a moment. So the scientists and then the, and the engineers... We're advocating for them to control the entire system of production and the distribution of goods and services. They would be in control of this. And so if you want to be in control of the means of production and distribution, it sounds very communist-like. Now, you can argue that capitalism or any other form of uh, economics, governance, politics um, are inefficient or have failed. But would you want to put the scientists and the engineers in charge of your work schedules, in charge of the factory schedules, and then in charge of the distribution of the goods and limiting how many of these goods you can have ladies and gentlemen that is what they were advocating for i'll be right back this is dust and gold with the dust and gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pain.tv slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, and I am your host, Dustin Gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let me give you a little bit more on this but you heard the statement there you heard the statement from technocracy inc back in 1938 so they wanted control over everything and so we can get into philosophical debates about all these different forms of government but this is a form of government that we are seeing being enacted now where the scientists and engineers are controlling the means of production and then the distribution of those goods and services what do you consider gig work what do you consider these mega companies like fiverr where people are selling their creative services those are the distribution of goods and services uh, by the technocrats because it is the same investors behind all of these tech companies over and over and over again we could sit here and dissect every one of those companies i've done many of them for you we see cia connected venture firms behind instacart the grocery app we see israeli intelligence behind frictionless shopping we see peter thiel a major technocrat a transhumanist a government contractor behind many of these companies and so now the gig industry itself is basically the technocracy it's the distribution of these goods and services and as i said now the artificial intelligence driven algorithms which are programmed by the technocrats at the end of the day it's the scientists and the engineers that do the programming at the behest of the owners of those companies 
And so if you are, let's say, on Fiverr.com and you are trying to sell your graphic design or your video editing services, you are now relying on the technocrats to bring you customers. And as I've told people before, just like with gig work, at the end of the day, you're not really an entrepreneur. You're not really building a business. You have no book of business. When you work for Instacart, you are not building a book of customers. If Instacart throws you off of the app, if the technocrats kick you off of the app for whatever reason, it's just like a social score. If they don't like you, uh, trust me, they're listening to everything you say while you're driving around in your car. So if they don't like you, they throw you off and they cut off your ability to make money or they can keep you on that system. Uh, remember, they use gamification to keep you engaged, keep you addicted to it. They can just lower the amount of money you can make by rigging the jobs that you're offered, the gigs that you're offered. And the same goes for Uber and the rest of them. Well, even on Fiverr.com, you think that you put your services out there and that people are picking through, let's say, 100,000 people to provide graphic design services and because your stuff is the best or you search optimized your search engine optimized your page the best, you are going to end up getting more work. But how do you know when I go look for a graphic designer if I'm even seeing you? See, the technocrats control the algorithm and therefore they can limit the amount of jobs that you make. Uh, the amount of jobs that you have access to, the amount of customers that come your way. And the way those systems work a lot of times is that you're supposed to be communicating through the system. Therefore, you're not really building a customer that you can do direct business with. And so you're allowing the technocrats to control the means of the distribution of goods and services. They're consolidating this under the guise of the private sector. But as I told you, a lot of these companies are funded with uh, startup capital via the CIA through its venture firm, InQtel, of which they admit to. Not a conspiracy theory, all right out in the open. So we are moving into this technocracy. Now, let me just explain to you, uh, underneath the technoc uh, technocrats plan, and I have this up on the screen for the video audience over at pain.tv slash gold. Otherwise, you guys can look this stuff up yourself, folks. But it says here, calendar, the technocratic movement plan to reform the work schedule. And, and you've heard me talk about this in past episodes uh, because I've done a lot of research on this stuff, but it's good. I'm glad they have it in this uh, Wikipedia article. It says the technocratic movement plan to reform the work schedule to achieve the goal of uninterrupted production, maximizing the efficiency and profitability of resources, transport, and entertainment facilities, avoiding the, quote, weekend effect, end quote. According to the movement's calculations, it would be enough that every citizen worked a cycle of four consecutive days, four hours a day, followed by three days off by, quote, titling uh, oh, by tiling the days and working hours of seven groups, industry and services could be operated 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The system would include holiday periods allocated to each citizen. So when you look at that, you go, oh, that's great. I only have to work four hours a day uh, for four days and I get three days off. But see, this system, if you do further research on this, relies on every man, woman, <laughs> basically child, uh, working within this system. This is like what we would complain about is communism. So 
they're going to make the work schedules. They're going to put everyone to work so that they can run the machine, the system, the state, 24 hours a day, seven days a week to create an abundance of goods of which then they will control the distribution of those goods and of those services. So you're living in a planned system folks it sounds like a smart city oh where do you think those ideas came from so that that's how the mentality of the uh technocrats today operate of course they want to do it all with artificial intelligence and robots now and so the question you always have to ask is if you make the assist the system like say back then all right let's say these guys got control they run their communist technocracy they force everyone to work around those schedules you refuse to they obviously are going to kill you or they'll just cut off your distribution of goods and you'll starve to death because that's obviously how this system would have worked but when you look at today and you say uh let's say there's 7.7 billion people on the planet earth if, if you believe that number let's just say there is um 7.7 billion people but if they want to replace a vast majority of those people with robots and artificial intelligence what happens to all the people uh where are they getting the money to buy these goods and services that the technocracy is going to make and so they'll tell you well you're going to get universal basic income which is going to basically be this check that subsidizes you because you're letting the machines and the ai take your job well, how long do you think that they're going to allow that to occur? For you to lay at home and just keep popping out kids, and before you know it, the world population is at 15 billion, and you think that these scientists and engineers are working for the good of humanity? They love you. They're just going to run the machines and run the AI that they built, they invested in, they created in cooperation with the government. And they're just going to run these systems, let the population grow out of control, and just keep sending you UBI you know, energy tokens or however they're going to put it so that you can buy things out of the system. That's not going to happen, folks. If they replace the people with AI and robots, they're going to kill those people. They don't need them anymore. They're useless humans as Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher of the Fourth Industrial Reich, has said. Useless humans. We will put them in video games and give them drugs until we get rid of them. Yeah. That's what he said. And and you see the VR rolling out, the psychedelics. What do you think that's all about? Giving you drugs and video games. All right. That's enough with technocracy. I think you have a solid understanding. Now, eventually, we will go deeper into this. We'll get into Technocracy, Inc. But right now, I just wanted you, if you haven't picked it up out of future episodes uh, or haven't listened to this on other shows, I wanted you to just have an understanding of where the idea of technocracy came from, the basics of it, right? And so it's the scientists and the engineers controlling the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. And so the scientists and engineers believe that the system back then, okay, representative democracy, capitalism, whatever, that all that stuff was just inefficient. It was not streamlined. So the scientists and engineers would come in and streamline it, and they would build this efficient system that would then provide goods and services to all the people as long as you agreed to let them control you and you worked within their system. So their idea was how they were going to streamline the system. So essentially it involves more government, 
than the government that existed during this time back in the 1920s to the 1940s. And even today, it involves more government. Even if they're going to replace the government with artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence does not get rid of government. You still need rules, regulations, uh, policing, and everything else. So it'll just be done through the technology, through the artificial intelligence. You see how that works? All right. Let's go over to transhumanism, and we've discussed transhumanism on this show as well, but I'm going to give you, over the next uh, episode and a half, a basic lesson in transhumanism. We're going to bring back in the document I started on the other day, and then this way you'll have the uh, you know foundation foundational understanding of technocracy and transhumanism, and then we'll talk about how they connect that most of these people now that are in the technocracy are also transhumanists and why they connect so let's just start over here because if uh, friends of yours let's say you tell them about this look it up let's just look at what they'll be finding so in britannica.com cyclopedia britannica it says transhumanism social and philosophical movement transhumanism social and philosophical movement devoted to promoting the research and development of robust human enhancement technologies such technologies would augment or increase human sensory reception emotive ability or cognitive capacity as well as radically improve human health and extend human lifespans such modifications resulting from the addition of biological or physical technologies would be more or less permanent and integrated into the human body so what they're talking about is a lot of what we covered here and why we've been showing you these government lectures uh, from the scientists and engineers out of the dod is uh what they're doing is they are combining the idea of the implantable brain chips with genetic modification uh bio arms you know robotic arms and legs exoskeleton suits basically permanently integrating into these into the body and extending lifespans you know, as I said, is ridiculous because what are they going to do when they reach this point where there is their fear of overpopulation is actually reached? So it can't be for everyone. But I'm going to show you uh, momentarily how transhumanism and technocracy intersects because that's what I'm going to talk about over the next couple of episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Paint.tv slash gold. All right, folks. So I think that part you already understood. We talked about it enough here. I imagine you've done some research on your own. 
But uh, let's just repeat this quickly. Transhumanism, social, uh, social and philosophical movement devoted to promoting the research and development of robust human enhancement technologies. Such technologies would augment or increase human sensory reception, emotive ability, or cognitive capacity, as well as radically improve human health and extend human lifespans. Such modifications resulting from the addition of biological or physical technologies would be more or less permanent and integrated into the human body. So that's the definition of transhumanism provided by Cyclopedia Britannica, folks. All right, here here are the origins. We've talked a little bit about this on the Dust and Gold Standard. We're going to go into more depth on this. But again, like with technocracy, you now understand where it came from. I just want to tell you about the origins of transhumanism. So the term transhumanism was coined by English biologist and philosopher Julian Huxley in his 1957 essay of the same name. Now, Julian Huxley is the brother of Otis Huxley, who wrote Brave New World. Okay, we'll eventually do shows on that in the future. Uh, There's people who have researched this. I prefer to get a guest on that uh, because to me, None of that actually really matters in the big uh, big scheme of things, but uh, we, we will get into that. It goes on to say, Huxley referred principally to improving the human condition through social and cultural change, but the essay and the name have been adopted as seminal by the transhumanist movement, which emphasizes material technology. Huxley held that although humanity had naturally evolved, it was now possible for social institutions to supplement evolution in refining and improving the species. The ethos of Huxley's essay, if not its letter, can be located in transhumanism's commitment to assuming the work of evolution, but through technology rather than society. And so let me just explain this. Dennis Bushnell, chief scientist of NASA for the last 40 years, and we did a a uh, whole episode on this, maybe a couple of episodes. We covered a speech that he gave in 2018 in front of a group called FIRE, Future in Review. And Dennis Bushnell talked about the human evolution of humans, and that is where humans will now take hold of their evolution. They will engineer their evolution. They will no longer allow evolution to run its natural course. And so as you see here, the ethos of Huxley's essay, if not its letter, can be located in transhumanism's commitment to assuming the work of evolution, but through technology rather than society. So the engineers want to engineer human evolution, and that's what we see Dennis Bushnell, chief scientist in NASA, talking about. That's what we've heard Elon Musk talk about. That's what we've heard Peter Thiel talk about. That's what we see, you know, Mark Zuckerberg talking about. That's what we see Jeff Bezos invested in. These guys are investing in these companies for life extension. They're on this quest for immortality. They talk about uploading their consciousness to the cloud, talk about taking their consciousness out of the cloud, combining it with other consciousness, making an AI hive mind, beaming that down into these biological or non-biological bodies. A biological body would be like putting your brain into someone else's body body or growing these 
designer children, genetically modified children, or I wouldn't call them humans. They're not going to be human at that point inside of these synthetic wombs, starting with a fresh brain, injecting their mind, their consciousness into that child, uh, and then uh, either having that child strapped up with robotic technology or having a complete and total nanobot Iron Man suit, as Kurzweil has talked about, the ability to have a swarm of nanobots like bees come together and form a suit, and they could beam their consciousness into the suit. And as we discussed the other day, uh, one of the tenets of transhumanism, which is a transitional human, is to transition into a post-human, which is no longer human, which is why for 70 episodes, I keep telling you that this is about engineering humanity out of existence. And I'll talk about that in a moment, and I'll show you how technocracy and transhumanism intersect. But I want to give you a little more out of Cyclopedia Britannica, because tomorrow we are going to get into a paper I found uh, called Transhumanism, by Abu Faram of the New School for Social Research, written in 2022. Very good paper. And then we're going to get back to the Journal of Medicine and Philosophy, Bioethics and Transhumanism, uh, written by Alan Porter, which this is just a fantastic paper. It really breaks it down. And hopefully I'll be able to get these people on as guests. They're not really in the podcast space. They're more, you know, academics who have written about this. But, um, Let me just tell you here, this is out of Britannica. This is characteristics of the movement. The movement's adherents tend to be libertarian and employed in high technology or in academia, right? So they're employed in high technology. These are the technocrats, folks. The technocrats tend to be libertarian. So this idea of them being libertarian is just a total farce. I wonder if people who identify as political libertarians, ideological libertarians, if they would ever debate people like Peter Thiel, you know, or Ray Kurzweil. Because I don't understand if you're going to let scientists and engineers engineer the future of humanity, meaning they will control humanity, meaning that they will have hacked and then created a new genome, hacked the human genome, created a new genome. So the scientists and engineers will be in charge of what the new species is. How will that be anything? Uh, anything even closely related to a libertarian that claims to be for personal freedom, liberty, and human autonomy. See, I I think it's been completely hijacked, just like there is nothing conservative about conservatism anymore, nothing liberal about liberalism anymore. Liberalism comes out of classical uh, liberalism. That's Jeffersonian principles. And so the liberals today, the liberals over the last 30 years, are anything but Uh, standing for freedom. It goes on to say, its principal proponents have been prominent technologists like American computer scientist and futurist Ray Kurzweil and scientists like Austrian-born Canadian computer scientist and uh, roboticist Hans Moravec and American nanotechnology researcher Eric Drexler with the addition of a small but influential contingent of thinkers such as American philosopher James Hughes and Swedish philosopher Nick Bostrom. And so as you know, I spent a few episodes, I believe episodes one through three, on Ray Kurzweil. Some of these other characters we have brought up 
throughout various episodes, and we'll go into some of them in the future. There is much to uncover as you dissect and analyze each one of these thought leaders. It goes on to say, the movement has evolved since its beginnings as a loose association of groups dedicated to extropianism, a philosophy devoted to the transcendence of human limits. Transhumanism is principally divided between adherents of two visions of post-humanity, one in which technological and genetic improvements have created a distinct species of radically enhanced humans, and the other in which greater-than-human machines intelligence emerges all right greater than human machine intelligence emerges and so the concept behind kurzweil's theory of singularity is that once artificial intelligence surpasses that of human intelligence the humans will basically have to merge with the machines in order to survive now both of these you can see are artificially created by the scientists by the engineers by the technologists because they are the ones creating the technology, they are the ones doing the genetic hacking, and they are the ones creating the superhuman artificial intelligence. So it is the scientists and the engineers and the technologists that end up harnessing and hacking and hijacking and pirating humanity itself in order to create a post-human species, all right? Do you see how how that works, folks? So it has nothing to do with being human. This has to do with engineering humanity out of existence. Now, let me just finish up this uh, part for you quickly. It says, the membership of the transhumanist movement tends to split in an additional way. One prominent strain of transhumanism argues that social and cultural institutions, including national and international governmental organizations, will be largely irrelevant, uh, uh, irrelevant, irrelevant. Sorry about that, folks. I'm spitting out words and making them up as I go along. I think I need a uh, brain helmet. Uh, (laughs) Irrelevant to the trajectory of technological development. Market forces and the nature of technological progress will drive humanity to approximately the same end point, regardless of social and cultural influences. That end point is often referred to as the singularity, a metaphor drawn from astrophysics and referring to the point of hyper-dense material at the center of a black hole, which generates its intense gravitational pull. Among transhumanists, the singularity is understood as the point at which artificial intelligence surpasses that of humanity, which will allow the convergence of human and machine consciousness. All right, that's what I just explained to you. That convergence will herald the increase in human consciousness, physical strength, emotional well-being, and overall health, and greatly extend the length of human lifetime. So that, that's what they're promising is that the artificial intelligence will merge with human intelligence, even though they say the artificial intelligence will be smarter. Therefore, why would it not just kill the humans? But anyway, it will merge with the humans, and then it will allow humans consciousness to grow and their physical strength to become stronger. The second strain of transhumanism holds a contrasting view that social institutions such as religion, traditional notions of marriage and child rearing and Western perspectives of freedom not only can influence the trajectory of technological development, but could ultimately retard or halt it. 
Bostrom and British philosopher David Pierce founded the World Transhumanist Association in 1998 as a nonprofit organization dedicated to working with those social institutions to promote and guide the development of human enhancement technologies and to combat those social forces seemingly dedicated to halting such technological process. So as you can see there, folks, the technocrats started to infiltrate i'm sorry in this case the transhumanists but i'll show you in a moment they are the same thing the transhumanists began to infiltrate by working with these religious groups uh and such that would be what would be considered to be bioconservatives of against actually hacking humanity and uh engineering it out of existence to the point of which they become post-human so you take Kurzweil's philosophy, right, and then you take this other philosophy, and they both actually come together. I've done a lot of reading on this. There's really no difference. One believes that these institutions are an encumbrance to the development and to the launching and getting to the point of this post-human era. Now, remember, any of these guys that are alive today that believe in this need all obstacles out of the way because they want immortality. They obviously fear uh god or they don't believe in that concept and so they want immortality here on earth uh living inside of their heaven their digital heaven the metaverse that's what they're creating and so they don't believe in the idea of transcending to heaven therefore they're trying to build one here on earth and so they want to speed up this process because they obviously don't want to die of natural causes before they reach the point of gaining their artificial immortality but see, when you look at technocracy, which is the scientists and the engineers controlling society, they admit it's social engineering. So the scientists, the engineers, and the technologists want to control society and the means of production and the distribution of the goods and services. Transhumanism is that the scientists, the engineers, and the technologists want to control humanity itself. So in technocracy, they are controlling the natural world. They are building a technological system, a prison planet that controls the physical world. The transhumanists are trying to control the biological world, your very being, your body. They want to hack it, hijack it, and pirate it. And then they want to engineer it out of existence to the point where we are post-human, meaning humans are gone and a new species is here. And they will do that through technological advancements, gene editing, DNA splicing. And so the scientists and engineers, which will then grow these genetically modified humans, which they hope will not be humans eventually, inside of these synthetic wombs, at the same time in this bridge scenario, they are trying to control the means of production, they're trying to control society, they're trying to control government so everything they're trying to do is about control so my belief is that technocracy being brought in to society now in pretty much all the western worlds they are hijacking 
the natural world, governments, the flow of people, uh, society, culture, and everything under the technocratic system. And that is part of what is the second strain of transhumanism, which is the ability for them to control all of the people, all of the organizations and institutions that would traditionally be fighting back against this idea of moving into a post-human world. But at the end of the day, the scientists and engineers control the physical world through technocracy they control the biological world through transhumanism it is the scientists the engineers and the technologists these folks who do not believe in transcending to heaven or that there is a god or there is some sort of afterlife so what they are doing is they are trying to build their version of it here on earth through what eventually will be this cyber metaverse, folks. So it is the technocratic transhumanists. They are one in the same. It is the scientists, the engineers, and the technologists who want to control everything, rule over everything, to the point in which they engineer the natural world away and they engineer humanity out of existence ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.